Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in response to increasing governmental and societal incursions into religious life. This is a critical year for Lutherans. It's an election year in which we choose our temporal leaders. This Free to Be Faithful edition will not address specific issues or candidates. That was addressed in the August 17th program. And interested listeners may hear that program on our archives at kfuo.org. Further, we do not endorse any candidate or party. Today, we address the theological implications of voting or not voting. Martin Luther taught of the doctrine of the two kingdoms, the left-hand kingdom of the temporal world and the right-hand kingdom of the spirit. God rules both, but he uses secular leaders in the left-hand kingdom. Where does that leave the faithful? Should we obey? What happens when government violates conscience? Must we participate in the voting process, or can we stand aside? Now, I'm going to depart from my usual role of moderator, and the reason for that is that I'm a layman, not a theologian. I once told a pastor here at the International Center that while I don't doubt Scripture or the Lutheran confessions, there's a lot I don't understand. And this is especially true when it comes to my role in the left-hand kingdom of God. I suspect a lot of the laity has similar questions, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach this program not as a journalist, but as one seeking pastoral guidance. Today's guest, Pastor Larry Bean of Salem Lutheran Church in Gretna, Louisiana. Pastor Bean is a graduate of the Fort Wayne, Indiana Seminary and has taught apologetics, economics, and government at Wittenberg Academy. And now I'm going to ask him for guidance regarding theology of the two kingdoms. Free to be faithful encourages our listening audience to ask questions. Our telephone number in the greater St. Louis area is area code 314-821-0850. Outside the St. Louis area, North America, the toll-free number is 800-730-2727. And the program may also be contacted by email at publicsquare at kfuo.org. Pastor Bean, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kip. Good to be on. It's good to have you, sir. I've got a lot of questions here to ask you. Great. One thing actually concerns the very basic concept of the two kingdoms. Now, we've done some early publicity on this program, uh, the left-hand kingdom and the right-hand kingdom, and there's been some confusion. Some people have actually thought that that meant liberal versus conservative, but that's not at all the case. Could you explain a little bit about what is the definition of the two kingdoms? Sure. Um, The left and right uh, thing, you're you're absolutely right. It has nothing to do with liberal, conservative, left-wing, right-wing. I think that started in the French National Assembly when you had one party gathering on one side of the chamber versus the other. Um, this Luther's doctrine of the two kingdoms goes back uh, many hundreds of years before uh, we use left and right in that way. <clears throat> and I think that the, it's just a shortcut of saying that there are two two things. I mean, when it, whenever you describe that there are two options, you say, okay, on this hand you have this, and on the other hand you have that. And it's just kind of a shorthand way that Luther came up with to explain how it is that God uses authority in our lives. Because, I mean, from creation, he established authority. Um, you know, Adam was uh, uh, given dominion over, over the world in the Garden of Eden and so forth. So in our fallen world, though, um, God kind of divides his authority up in the way of the law and in the way of the gospel. So Luther kind of made a distinction. He, he describes it as how God rules us. I mean, God is the king of everything. 
So he rules, for instance, the church side of things, the gospel side of things. He gives authority uh, to the church through the office of the keys to forgive sins, which is exercised by pastors, of course. And so that's one kind of authority. It's an authority of the gospel. So pastors have the authority to release you from your sins, to absolve you, to open the gates of heaven. Uh, pastors don't have the authority to put handcuffs on you and put you in jail. It's, it's, so that's one kind of authority, and Luther called that the kingdom of the right. But God also rules uh, the world and uh, humankind through the kingdom of the left, which because of sin, you know, we have to restrain someone at times from committing sin. We have to have mechanisms in place to punish sin and so forth. And that kind of temporal authority is uh, what Luther called the kingdom of the left. So it's important to understand that God rules both of these kingdoms, and we as Christians live in both of these kingdoms. But the kingdom of the left applies to everybody. I mean, uh, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you live under the law, you live under um, the kinds of regulations you need to have in society, the kinds of authorities so that, you know, we can live peaceful lives insofar as it's possible. So that's really what the doctrine of the two kingdoms is all about. Now, one of the questions I have here is, what is our involvement in the left-hand kingdom to be? Now, I've, had, I've heard people say, you know, the, the scripture says, render unto Caesar, or that my kingdom is not of this world. Does that mean that we should be aloof from our role within the left-hand kingdom, or are we supposed to be give slavish obedience to government? How does that work? It's a great question. I've heard people, I've heard Christians on both sides, you know, when it, especially when it comes to voting. I've heard Lutherans on argue both sides of it. But I think, the, I think the way to approach it is that there are kind of two extremes, and then there's kind of a via media, sort of a third way that our Lutheran confessions outline. And I think it's helpful to look to the Book of Concord when we want to find guidance of how to interpret Scripture, because it is very difficult, you know, because you can pull one verse out of context and then say, well, this means you must vote, and then pull another verse out of context and say, this verse says you must not vote. So we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture, and as Lutherans, we've committed ourselves to the uh, Book of Concord sort of ex to, to be an exposition of Scripture for us. But what I'm getting at is, like, for instance, in the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church's um, uh, Guideline of Doctrine, uh, Entry 2240, says that it is, quote, morally obligatory to, quote, exercise the right to vote. I don't know how much in, um, in, in Roman Catholicism how that's really enforced, other than to say that it's a moral obligation that Christians have to vote in, in places where they can vote. But that does seem to suggest that they're, you, know, you're, you are obliged as a Christian to vote. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost a legalistic kind of um, a demand that you exercise your uh, privilege to vote. Now, in the, during the Reformation, there was a, a group on the other side of the fence, the Anabaptists. They were the more radical reformers uh, who denied infant baptism and that sort of thing. They were pacifists, and they wanted no involvement at all in the kingdom of the left hand. In fact, they said it would be a sin to be involved in government in any way. So what, what, do, what do Lutherans do in this situation? Well, if you look at Article 16 in the Augsburg Confession, I'll just read a very brief part of it. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Our churches teach that lawful civil regulations are good works of God, 
They teach that it is right for Christians to hold political office, to serve as judges, to judge matters by imperial laws and other existing laws, to impose just punishments, to engage in just wars, to serve as soldiers, to make legal contracts, to hold property, to take oaths when required by the magistrates, for a man to marry a wife or a woman to be given in marriage. Our churches condemn the Anabaptists who forbid these political offices to Christians. And then in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, it basically repeats this whole litany of things that Christians are able to do, and it mentions uh, these things that uh, these are things which a Christian can safely use. So, you know, the, the Lutheran Confessions say these things are not sinful to be involved in, um, but it does not go so far as to say that you must. It's really a kind of a matter of vocation, you know, so... Um, we are free to be involved in government. We are free to be not involved in government. Well, that's that's and part. It's a matter of it's like an evangelical freedom that we have in the gospel to be involved or not involved. And that's one of the questions that I had, and perhaps I had a misperception of this when I was growing up. Uh, I'd always considered my duty as a citizen, as opposed to necessarily being a Lutheran. My di- my duty to was to vote, but I was having a discussion with a uh, pastor the other day. And he said that that is not necessarily true for the Christian. It is not sinful for the Christian not to vote. For example, we are looking at a very contentious election this time around, where neither of the two major candidates are acceptable to many, many people. So some people are saying, I'm simply not going to vote for for either one. I'm, I'm going to sit out that particular round. Now, I would have thought not all that long ago that this was wrong, but I've been told by pastors that that's not the case, that it is not a sin to set out when the when the choices are unacceptable. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, if, if you drive around the, uh, America, sometimes you'll see courthouses that have this Latin saying on them, uh, vox populi, vox dei, which means the voice of the people is the voice of God. And I think we sometimes approach... Uh, government or democracy almost as like it's sacramental or that it's holy. It's it's almost like um, uh, divinely instituted. But that's really not true. I mean, the, the voice of God is the Holy Scripture, not whatever 51% of the population uh, vote on. Uh, voting is your, uh, your civil right. I, I think it's really more of a privilege than a right based on that it's something that government grants you to your, the ability to do. Um, you're free to do it as a Christian. Uh, but, you know, in, in all, voting is a choice. It's an option. That's the whole point of voting. And, you know, even in Robert's Rules of Order, um, you always have the option to abstain from a vote. That is your valid expression of your opinion. You might abstain for many reasons. It may be none of the above. It may be I don't know enough about this issue to weigh in. Um, it may be, you know, I don't really care uh, which, which we, you know, whether we have uh, pepperoni pizza or sausage pizza. I'm going to just abstain and let the majority decide. But, you know, even in our churches, um, most of our Missouri Synod churches operate under Robert's rules in our voters' assemblies. And, you know, if people don't vote on something, they can abstain. I mean, we don't excommunicate somebody for abstaining from, uh, from a church vote. So more so, should we uh, not uh, chastise someone for opting out of an election? I mean, it's it's. A, I, I know that like they, there's these you know a lot of PSAs will basically give you the impression it doesn't matter who you vote for, just vote. You know, and 
I think that's kind of a dangerous thing. I'd rather, if somebody's not sure or not informed, maybe it'd be better for them to sit that out and let other people who are more informed or uh, or whatever, you know, uh, to to cast those ballots. But uh, but no, I, I agree with uh, the pastor who said that it's really, as a Christian and even as a citizen, a non-Christian has the same uh, prerogative to vote for A, B, C, none of the above, uh, or, or or whatever. Uh, Pastor, we have a caller, Cheryl from Indianapolis, who would like to ask a question. Uh, Cheryl, uh, please ask Pastor Bean your question. Okay, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Anytime, um, Cheryl. I, every time I vote, even if it's for the city mayor, I tend to be a one-issue voter. So I, um, I try to discern as much as well as I can, is the candidate pro-life? And that's the only issue that I consider. I ignore everything else. And my question is, if we, you have a candidate ahead of you that says he thinks the duty of government is to protect the sanctity of human life and to protect those who are vulnerable at any stage of life, do you, as a Christian, have a choice not to vote for that candidate? That, that is a, a, yeah. it's a It's a great question. Um, I'm sorry, Kepidemia. Yeah, I was those. going to say, I'd actually heard a very similar question to what Cheryl had said. Once was uh, where uh, a person might be faced with a choice whereby one candidate is pro-life, but has a terrible personal life. The person is, is sinful and is proud of it, where the other person might be pro-abortion, but supports everything else that is good and good and wonderful in life. So how do, how do you, as Cheryl says, what do you do? How do you, how do you resolve that? Each person is really ultimately going to have to um, decide, you know, how much weight they're going to give each issue. I think it is, you know, one of, one of the strengths, I think, of democracy is that you do get a lot of input from a lot of different people. You know, the way you voted when you were 18 may be different, than the way you would vote when you're 35 or when you're 65, you know, depending on your life experience and so forth. And getting a lot of input from a lot of different angles, you know, hopefully you achieve some sort of consensus, although democracy often boils down to 51 versus 49 and you're more divided than ever. But in terms of voting pro-life, you remember, you know, I mean, I mean, we Christians are obliged to serve and love and serve our neighbor. So certainly defending people who are um, uh, in danger of having their lives taken away from them. That is a Christian duty. And whether it's done through voting, uh, whether it's done through activism, whether it's done through financial support of life causes, prayer, all of these things are within the realm of Christians to, uh, to do. I mean, some people are more equipped at doing one thing versus another based on physical abilities and financial abilities and so forth. But in terms of voting pro-life, it, it sometimes can get complicated because you might have a candidate that's very good on abortion, but they are very um, bellicose in terms of maybe getting involved in unjust wars. You remember I just read Article 16 speaks yes. of just war. And if you, know, if you might have a pro-life candidate that's very pro-life on abortion, but you know they're just itching to start a war overseas that's going to cost – you know, millions of lives of uh, people of people in another part of the world. 
And it makes sometimes it can be a very difficult choice that you have to make, and and it's a messy, fallen world we live in. It is. Uh, you might have a you know might have a candidate that's that's terrible on abortion, but they're very good on religious liberty, or you know, or uh, um, being against euthanasia or something like that. I mean, the the possibilities are uh, crazy, um, and sometimes you know you're. You really are uh, in in the voting booth. You're you're up against a wall. You know it's uh, uh, a devil in a deep blue sea sometimes. And but that's part of living in the fallen world. And we have to use our judgment and use our uh, minds uh, in a sanctified way. And I, I don't think as a pastor I can you know set down a hard and fast rule that's universal in every time and every place. You know, Nor should you, I think. But it's sure. it, the thing I think to remember is according to the Lutheran Confessions, we are all fallen. We are all sinners, so any anybody who's going to be on the uh, on the ballot, it is always a choice of the lesser of two evils, or as we may say, you know, just evil and evil. It doesn't really matter unless Jesus Himself is on the ballot. We're going to have to make a hard choice, and I'm not. Uh, it's something that I, I I personally have to approach it with a lot of prayer. And wait for that little inner voice in me to tell me what to do, and hope that I'm listening to the right voice. And you're that's, uh, that's a that's a very good point, Kip. I mean, it's the, the the total depravity and fallenness of the world is it makes these things sometimes very um, gray issues. Remember, the candidates are going to tell you, no matter what, they're going to say, "I'm 100 percent good, and my opponent is 100 percent bad," and it's part of how they market themselves. And, you know, we have to be wise and discerning and understand that uh, we don't live in a in an ideal world. We're, we're never going to be faced with a ballot of, you know, uh, vote uh, Jesus or Satan. I mean, it's 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 a messy fallen world. And that's what makes it uh, makes it um, a very difficult thing sometimes. So how do we, how do we approach this theologically, knowing that we are we literally are choosing the lesser of two evils? How do we approach this? How do we look at this and say, what do I do? Well, again, I, I think that, you know, Christianity is not a system of ethics. However, there is a system of ethics that grows out of Christianity that involves obeying the Ten Commandments. So, I mean, I think before we get involved in any kind of, whether it's voting, whether it's serving on a jury, whether it's uh, serving our neighbor in any, any way in the kingdom of the left— you know, I think we should review and meditate on the Ten Commandments. We should uh, think about uh, what our Lord says in the Golden Rule, and we should also, you know, remember the two great commandments about love. We love God. We love our neighbor. We should always approach any decision, whether it's voting, whether it's, you know, any other decisions, options that we have, how do I love and serve my neighbor in the best way that I can? And, you know, it may be uh, a very uh, limited uh, good based on the options that you do have, but real life is like that. I mean, uh, you know, we are uh, we're limited by a lot of things: by physical, you know, ability, by mental ability, by financial ability. But we do the best with what we have, what's been given to us according to our vocation. And I think that's really the only way that we can approach this. And you know, two people may come up with two different uh, decisions. And and uh, you know, again. If you're going to live in a system where people can vote, that means they're free to vote A or B or none of the above. Well, that again brings up a question. Let's say that we have uh, these two candidates that we're looking at now. We have two dedicated 
believing Lutherans. One votes one way, votes the one votes the other way. Does that mean one is wrong and one is right, or are they both right by following their conscience? Well, you know, I don't know about saying they're right or wrong, but I mean, voting is um, a a privilege that is afforded to us by the government as a means for choosing representatives, and if if we if we force people or if the church, you know, the kingdom of the right hand impedes upon the kingdom of the left hand and says, okay, uh, you must vote for uh, Joe Smith in this next election or you are sinning. I think it's an encroachment from the church into the temporal realm. Oh, well, I'm agreeing I, with I really that. Think, yeah. my, my question was, yeah. when you have a, a situation with an election where you have two faithful Lutherans who come to completely different conclusions— is one wrong? Is one right? Are they both wrong? Or are they both right? Well, I, again, I think it kind of depends on the candidates. How much gray area is there? You know, you might you might have a, a theoretical situation where one candidate is absolutely unacceptable for uh, Christians to vote for under any circumstance. That could theoretically happen, um, and you know, it, it's a little bit like. Um, you know, sometimes pastors have to make the decision about uh, communing someone, a, like a politician who holds uh, an, a, a pro-abortion, a public vehement pro-abortion viewpoint, is that should they not take communion? Um, and, and I know the Roman Catholic Church is very strong on saying that uh, people who use their vocation for the purpose of carrying out evil uh that and we do i mean there's we agree on this i mean lutherans uh missouri synod lutherans it is it is our position um based on scripture the confessions and natural law that this is an evil thing i mean there's there's no gray area here uh abortion is an evil thing and politicians who support it i mean we do have to hold their feet to the fire and voting, uh, you know, you might have no choice. You, you might have uh, a anti-life candidate A and anti-life candidate B, and maybe one of them is less bad than the other. And, you know, you have to make that decision in your conscience which one you're going to support. But I, would, I think there are a few issues that are, are clearly cut and dried that, you know, it would be uh, really impossible to say that a, a, a Christian could, in a godly sense, vote for certain individuals. You know, I mean, think of, think of to use the extreme example, Adolf Hitler was elected, you know, chancellor of Germany. Um, if, if a candidate were running on a, on a platform that I'm going to pick out an ethnic group and put them in concentration camps and exterminate them, I'm not prepared to say, hey, Lutherans can vote either way on this in, in good conscience. But most issues are not that cut and dried in, in, in the real world. You're correct. And there is a situation also, I think that Cheryl alluded to, say that we do have a situation where the Lutheran, the Christian, cannot vote for either one of the two main candidates. But there are other candidates way down the field. We're voting for Congress. We're voting for the Senate. We have local elections as well. Should we participate in those? We, we can participate in those while not necessarily participating in the one election, but we do have to participate in the others. Let me rephrase that, because I use the word have to, and I'm not sure that that's accurate in this case, that we have the option to. We need to look at these other races as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually, you know, the, the presidential election takes all the attention, but when you get in the booth, you know, typically you have, uh, you may vote for president, you may vote for um, 
uh, senator, uh, congressman. You may vote for governor. There may be a, a mayoral election. There might be some uh, le- tax issues. So there's a whole plethora of things that, you, you know, and, and I think it's the same thing applies. I think you're free to um, to vote for in, in every single question. You're free to vote in some but not others, and you're free to abstain. Um, I know that a lot of times um, I remember, you know, as a young guy going and voting, you know, for the first time, there's all these names of people running for central committee, party committee. And, you know, I have no idea who these people are. So uh, to say that you're obliged, you must choose, you know, eight candidates out of this list of 20 or you're committing some kind of a sin is kind of ridiculous. So I think that, you know, I think it's a question, again, a question of vocation. If you are really interested in these in these ideas and you've researched them and you feel competent to cast these votes, um, then by all means, I think it's a, a good and salutary thing for Christians to do. Or if, you know, if they're convinced that uh, non-participation is the most loving thing for their neighbor, then that is ethically uh, the right decision. Well, I'm going to quote here from Pastor Harrison the president of the Missouri Senate. We can urge our people to be politically active and to stand in the public square for what accords with reason and the Ten Commandments. He's urging us to be involved in the public square, to be involved in the in the left-hand kingdom. But we have to follow our own conscience and rule within the within the Ten Commandments, within the commandments of God. We have guidance from the from the Bible. We have guidance from Scripture. We have guidance from the Lutheran Confessions. And I think this is what we need to follow. And the answer may be, no, I can't support any of these people, but there are the things I need to to make, to make take a stand on, to have my voice heard. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, being involved in the kingdom of the left, there are lots of ways to do that. Maybe you write articles and op-eds or letters to the editor. Maybe you just talk to your neighbors about uh, you know, various issues. You, you could you could go to your uh, city council meeting, and you know there are many different ways. And and different people are going to have different gifts and abilities and talents. And and uh, you know, not everybody is called to every single um, you know every single uh, uh, vocation. So uh, I would say that it's a it's a good and responsible thing to serve your neighbor through. Uh, you know, uh, through whatever kinds of uh, things you can do in the kingdom of the left. But really, the the best thing you can do in the kingdom of the left is to be a good citizen and, you know, don't aggress against other people, don't mess with their stuff, don't don't uh, harm other people, obey the laws, and, and, uh, and, and, and live a peaceable life. I mean, that is really serving your neighbor in the best way possible. Well, Luther said, we are to be subject to governmental power and to do what it bids, as long as it does not bind our conscience. And I think that that pretty well sums up what our what it should be. Uh, but again, you know, there there are, I I have so many questions when I <laughs> when I when I approach a political uh, question. I mean, I, I I like to read the newspaper, read the letters to the editor, get all the different things. I I, I follow blogs. I even comment on a few of them. But I always walk away with more questions than I have answers. <laughs> is this? I think this is part of the. I'm not. I've got. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I think it's part of being a Christian. Well, if if we were God, we'd have all the answers, wouldn't we? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> That's true. But we don't, and we just do our you know we do our best in a fallen world. And sometimes you might vote for someone, and then uh, you know a year later you think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have voted that way. And then, and then you learn, and you learn through experience, and maybe uh, maybe you do something different the next time. So 
Yeah, there's a couple of times I voted, and I really wish I hadn't voted the way I had. <laughs> Pastor, we're uh, running quickly out of time. Do you have any uh, any uh, final comments? Well, uh, let me see. I, I, again, I think that uh, the two kingdoms doctrine as, as Lutherans, I think we, we have something to offer the rest of the Church as a way of looking at how God governs us. I think it's a helpful guideline, and I think, again, remembering that we have evangelical freedom. We have freedom in the gospel uh, to love our neighbor, and if that means voting one way, voting another way, or not voting, that is something we have to prayerfully consider, but don't feel that your conscience is bound to either not vote or to vote. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, a presentation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Wednesday of every month at 2.30 p.m. and is rebroadcast the following Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. It's also available for download on our website at kfuo.org. Today's guest was Pastor Larry Bean of Salem Lutheran Church in Gretna, Louisiana. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings.